Well, uh, last, uh, last week, my, my kids were um, on spring break. Hold it. We're not going to show that picture quite yet uh, because uh, we were, uh, we were, the kids were on spring break. At the beginning of last week, uh, we actually went down to Legoland uh, near San Diego, and, uh, and our kids just had a blast at, at Legoland. Um, but there was one ride um, that our, our daughter, Sophia, was a little bit nervous to go on, a little bit afraid. So now we'll show that picture. That, 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 was, the, that was the ride there. It was one of those rides that, that brings you high up into the air and then suddenly drops you down. And then it brings you back up and drops you again um, and so on and so on. And, and uh, my wife, Rochelle, um, she really wanted to go on this ride. Um, I, I didn't so much. Um, but, uh, you know... And, and although Sophia, she was a little bit nervous, but she just felt like she, she wanted to, to try it. And so she got in line with Rochelle and with Lucas, her big brother, um, while I took our youngest, uh, Christopher, who I was just holding there, uh, to go ride on a, a little train ride, which was much more, uh, a little bit better for, for his age, for sure. And so as they got closer and closer to the front of the line of this, this, this ride, um, you could tell that, that Sophia was getting... A little bit more nervous, um, but Rochelle would, would continue just to reassure her that, that she was going to be sitting right next to her, and so would her big brother Lucas, and, and they were going to get through it together. So finally, it was their turn to get strapped in, and they did. They all got strapped in, the ride started, and Christopher and I watched bo- from below as, as the ride went up and down, and screams were happening, and, and, uh, and, and, and by the end of the ride... Sophia had faced her fear and she had made it through. And, uh, and you know, there's a picture of her after the ride there. And, and you know, when, when I went over to her, initially she, was, she said that she, she was still a little bit scared of the ride and, and she felt like she kind of wondered if she should have gone on it. Um, but then five minutes later, she told Rochelle, I want to go back on it again. <laughs> um, a key part of growing up is learning how to face our fears, right? Learning how to face those things that can be a little bit scary. But the truth is that even as we grow up to be adults, we can sometimes get trapped in fear uh, for various reasons. And in our text today, we're going to see that the disciples were trapped in fear. Um, in fact, they were, had literally locked themselves in a room because of their fears, Um, But it is in this place of fear that the risen Jesus encounters them and he calls them to go beyond their fears. Uh, Since the the beginning of Lent, um, I've been preaching through a sermon series uh, called Encounters with Jesus in the Gospel of John. And we were kind of preaching through some of those those early encounters in John's gospel. And then last week, uh, we looked at Jesus' encounter with Mary Magdalene um, after he rose from the dead. And so as I thought about kind of we're in the season of Easter, that that actually I I wanted to to, to look at some of um, the other encounters that the risen Jesus had with different individuals after he had risen from the dead. Um, And specifically also, again, in in John's gospel. And so my sermon title today, we're going to be looking at at how Jesus encounters his disciples um, after uh, he he had risen. And so my sermon title today is Beyond Fear. Uh, We're going to look at how the risen Jesus encounters his disciples and calls them to go beyond fear, beyond the fears that had them trapped there. And how he does something similar with us, how he calls us beyond our fears. Uh, so our text today is, is John chapter 20, verses 19 through 23, which is on page uh, 769 in the Pew Bible, if you'd like to uh, follow along there. So John chapter 20, 
beginning with verse 19. On the evening of that first day of the week, that is again talking about the day when Jesus had risen that morning, when the disciples were together with the doors locked for fear of the Jews, Jesus came and stood among them and said, Peace be with you. After he said this, he showed them his hands and sighed. The disciples were overjoyed when they saw the Lord. Again, Jesus said, Peace be with you. As the Father has sent me, I am sending you. And with that, he breathed on them and said, Receive the Holy Spirit. If you forgive anyone his sins, they are forgiven. If you do not forgive them, they are not forgiven. Let's pray. Lord, we thank you for your word. We thank you that it is living and active and that you, uh, you speak to us through your word. And so we pray that you would give us open ears, open hearts to receive what you have for us today in your word as we look at this encounter, Jesus, that you had with your disciples after you had risen from the dead. And as you, Jesus, who are alive and risen today, as you come and encounter us today too and call us beyond our fears, uh, give us responsive hearts to you, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Our text uh, begins with the disciples huddled in fear. Uh, Verse 19, the the first verse uh, begins, On the evening of that first day of the week, when the disciples were together with the doors locked for fear of the Jews. Uh, These disciples, they were shell-shocked. They had had left everything to follow Jesus, believing that he was the long-promised Messiah. But then... As we saw, he had been arrested and put on trial and crucified on a cross, dead, and, was, and his body had been buried in a tomb. And so when they realized that they're, they're, the one they had been following, he, had, he was dead and he was buried, all their hopes were dashed to pieces. And the Jewish religious leaders had been the ones who had arrested Jesus and had, had put him on trial and had convinced the Roman authorities to execute him as a criminal. So you can imagine the the disciples wondering, so are we next? Are they going to track us down and and, and bring us to trial and and potentially kill us as well? Were those religious leaders going to come after them too as followers of Jesus? It's understandable that the disciples were afraid. And they did what we often do in the face of fear. They withdrew, they huddled together, They locked the doors, and they hoped that those locked doors would keep them safe from the dangers outside that room. But then, on Sunday morning, some women had come to them and told them that Jesus had risen from the dead. They had had gone to Jesus' tomb, and it was empty, and angels had told them that he had been raised. And so they, they, they brought this news to the disciples. But in Luke's account, Luke 24, verse 11, we read, But they did not believe the women, because their words seemed to them like nonsense. The disciples initially didn't believe this message as it was given to them by the women, because they thought, this is nonsense. How could Jesus be risen from the dead? They couldn't believe it. Last Sunday, we looked at, that, at the encounter that the risen Jesus had with Mary Magdalene. And how he told her specifically to go to the disciples and tell them that he was risen and that he would be returning to the Father. And so we, we read at the, at the end of last week's passage, just before this text, that Mary went and told them, I have seen the Lord. I've seen him. 
He's risen. But even after her testimony, where are the disciples? They're still remaining in that room, locked up in fear. Well, it is in this place of fear that Jesus chooses to encounter them. So verse 19 continues, Jesus came and stood among them. Just as the the stone uh, at Jesus' tomb couldn't keep him inside the grave, those locked doors couldn't keep the resurrected Jesus from coming in and standing there before them. And so Jesus, he enters into their place of fear and isolation, and he calls them out of it. And he does the same thing for us, too. And so what I want to look at today is how he does that. How does he call the disciples out of their fears? How does he call them to go beyond their fears? How does he call us to do the same? Well, the first thing that we see in our text is that Jesus proclaims peace to us. He proclaims peace to the disciples. He proclaims peace to us. The first words that the risen Jesus speaks to his disciples are peace be with you. Right? That's the first thing that he says when he, when he comes and he appears before them. Now, that phrase, peace be with you, was actually a common greeting in that culture. The, the Hebrew word for peace is shalom, which is still a common greeting uh, for Jewish people today, just as it was back then. But when Jesus says to them, peace be with you, he means more than just, hey guys, what's up? Hello, right? One of the clues to this is the fact that he says, peace be with you twice to the disciples. He says it in verse 19, and then he says it again in verse 21. So he wants to very, make this very clear that, that as he comes to them, he is assuring them that he's coming and bringing them peace. He's proclaiming peace to them. And this proclamation of peace is the first thing that moves the disciples beyond their fears. Think about this. The last time that the disciples had been together with Jesus was in the Garden of Gethsemane, when they had abandoned him, when he was arrested. What had they done? They had fled in fear. They had run away in fear. Peter had denied even knowing Jesus. And so when Jesus appears in that room with them, the first time that he is encountering them after they had abandoned him, you can imagine them wondering, what are his first words going to be toward us? Hey, guys. So what happened in the Garden of Gethsemane? I, I thought you all promised that you would never abandon me. What happened there? Peter, you said you would never deny me. What happened there? Man, you guys really let me down. But that's not what Jesus says, right? I wonder if part of what, what the, the fear that, that kept those disciples locked up in that room was actually the fear of condemnation, the fear of, of facing their failure, that they had abandoned Jesus when things got tough. And now, so even when they hear the news that Jesus had risen from the dead and he was alive, you can imagine them wondering, well, what does that mean for us when we just failed him? Now, where did Jesus found them? He found them hiding out in fear of the religious leaders. And, and so you can imagine him wondering, is he going to condemn us? Is he going to reprimand us? Is he going to reject us? But no, instead, Jesus proclaims peace to them. He doesn't condemn them. He doesn't tell them that, that they really need to make up for how badly they failed him. 
He doesn't tell them that maybe he'll accept them back as disciples if, if they prove to him that they'll never abandon him again. No, Jesus simply comes to them and says, peace be with you. He is proclaiming peace. And verse 20 continues, after he said this, he showed them his hands and side. Now, of course, one of the purposes of Jesus doing this was to show the disciples that it was really him. That, that, that he was Jesus, the one who had been crucified, whose hands still bore the nail prints and whose side still bore the mark where the spear had been thrust into him. He was not a ghost. He wasn't someone who looked like Jesus. No, he was Jesus the crucified who was now living and bodily present with them in a physical body, right? And he, his hands bore the nail prints. But I think also when Jesus showed them the wounds in his hands, and his side, after declaring to them, peace be with you, he was showing them what had secured the peace that he was proclaiming to them in that moment. Uh, there's one commentator, uh, Lenski, that, that puts it this way. He says, here Jesus shows the disciples the very price at which he bought their peace. Those holy wounds proclaim that God is at peace with us. They are the seals which attest this objective peace. The peace thus pronounced upon the disciples by Jesus is an absolution. They had fled when Jesus was betrayed. They had given up their faith. But peace to you extended by these pierced hands and this pierced heart takes all their guilt away. Peace be with you. And here are the wounds that show you that I've accomplished that peace between you and God. Maybe some of you who are here today are, are feeling trapped by the fear of condemnation. Maybe you wonder what, what Jesus really thinks of you when you realize the ways that you've sinned against him, the ways that you have maybe failed him, the ways that you haven't lived up to being a good Christian. And maybe you are tempted to run away from God, to, to hide yourself away from him like the disciples hid in that room and you're maybe worried that if he looked into your eyes, you would, you would see a look of disappointment from him, a look of judgment. But hear Jesus' words to you, peace be with you. He shows you his nail-pierced hands and his side, and he says, I went to the cross and received these wounds to pay for all your sins. I bore all the condemnation, all the judgment in your place. So there is no condemnation left for you because Jesus bore it all. And so he says to you, fear not. I have accomplished peace with God for you. And so there is no need to fear. That is Jesus' words to his disciples. It is his words to you and me. Earlier in John 14, verse 27, Jesus had said to his disciples, peace I leave you, with you, my peace I give you. I do not give to you as the world gives. Do not let your hearts be troubled and do not be afraid. Right? Jesus moves us beyond fear. He says, do not be afraid. Why? Because he is proclaiming peace to us, an objective peace with God that he has accomplished for us through his death and resurrection. He says, peace I leave with you. My peace I give you, so do not be afraid. 
And this peace, it gives us confidence to be able to move beyond our fears, our, our fear of condemnation, but also our fears of, of things that are out in the world. Things like the disciples were afraid of those religious leaders. Why? Because the peace we have been given in Christ means that we can face anything that might tempt us to fear because we know that God is with us and he is for us. Because he has accomplished that peace, our God is with us and our God is for us. And there is no need to fear. Well, that leads us to the next way that Jesus moves his disciples and us beyond our fears, which is that Jesus then sends us out. After proclaiming peace to the disciples the second time, when he says again, peace be with you, the very next thing that he says in verse 21 is, as the Father has sent me, I am sending you. So Jesus says that, that he is sending the disciples out of their comfortable locked room. He says, guys, you're not going to stay in this room anymore. I'm sending you. I'm sending you out. He's sending them out into the world, just as he says, as he was sent, as the Father sent Jesus into the world. Now he is sending them into the world. But by doing that, they're going to have to confront their fears. They're going to face the very same religious leaders who had worked to get Jesus crucified. But Jesus sends them out to face those fears as a part of moving them beyond their fears. Just like Sophia went up on that ride, right? She's going to face that fear. It helped her begin to move beyond the fear. You know, when I was an associate pastor at a church in Queens, New York City, several uh, years back, one of uh, one of my areas of focus in, in that church was trying to help that congregation connect more with their local neighborhood. Um, it was a new congregation, a church plant that was only about three years old, and, and, and we met actually in a school. And most of the congregation were pretty young. They were, they were mainly young adults who lived in different parts of Queens or in Manhattan. And they, they kind of mainly commuted to the church, to the school where we met. And the neighborhood right around that school, it was not very residential, but the one place where there was a lot of residents was actually just a few blocks away from the school, which happened to be New York City's largest public housing project, Queensbridge Houses. Here's a picture of, of Queensbridge. And, and many of the people in our congregation felt some nervousness and even some fear about reaching out into Queensbridge and, and some of the other areas in that neighborhood. It was a lot easier to take the subway to church, have our safe, comfortable worship service in the school, and then leave to go back to our homes. But I had been called by the church to help stretch the congregation out of our comfort zones and to get to know our neighborhood. And one of the ways that I was doing that was actually working at a community center in Queensbridge, getting to tutor some of the kids that were there and building relationships with people in the community. But, but trying to help the congregation begin to engage with, with this neighborhood, uh, one Sunday after our worship service, we divided up our congregation into different groups. And we assigned uh, a few blocks in the neighborhood to each group. And we took what we called a neighborhood walk, um, very similar to the neighborhood prayer walks that, that we've done here at Emmanuel in, in our neighborhood. Um, and so each group, as, they, as we walked through the neighborhood, we had some questions to answer and and, and making observations about what, the, what they noticed in their area and, and the people they maybe encountered. And then we came back after about an hour or so and had some time to reflect on the experience. And as we came back and, and began to talk about our experience, I was struck by the fact that just about everybody had an amazing time on this neighborhood walk. 
They enjoyed getting a, a better close-up view of the neighborhood. It, it raised questions for them, and they began to, to kind of trigger some curiosity about, about the neighborhood. It, it made them curious to learn more. And, and what it did was it began to break down some of the nervousness and fear that they had, the assumptions that they had about the neighborhood. The process of being sent out into our neighborhood, it helped to begin to help people go beyond their fears, began to break down those fears. Jesus sends us out into our world, into places, into situations that that might initially feel uncomfortable, that might cause us to fear, but he does that in order to move us past the fear. Here's the truth. We are not going to move beyond our fears by huddling together, trying to keep ourselves safe and secure. We're not going to move beyond fear that way. We will only get beyond it when we are willing to face those fears. And that's exactly what we see in the lives of these disciples. In the book of Acts, these disciples, after they, they are filled with the Holy Spirit, we're going to get to that in just a moment, they, they, they go out into Jerusalem and they begin to proclaim the good news of Jesus' resurrection in the city of Jerusalem. And what happens? Well, they experience some opposition. They begin to experience some persecution. Uh, we, we heard about that at the beginning of, of our scripture reading in, in Acts 5, right? That, that the, the religious leaders took them and arrested them and said, don't preach in Jesus' name anymore. And so they're actually, they actually are experiencing the very thing they were afraid of in the room, right? They're afraid of those, those religious leaders who were going to maybe come after them. And that, but they face those fears, and as they face them, they begin to have this sense of boldness and confidence and not fear, Because why? They know that they have been given God's peace through Christ, which can't be taken away from by their enemies. And they have been sent out by Jesus with a mission that cannot be stopped by any opposition they might face. We heard that in that that reading, right? That that the one guy, Gamaliel, said, hey, if this is from God, nobody's going to be able to stop this thing, right? And that's what the disciples were confident in that they were sent out in a mission that was not going to be stopped. And so they were able to face those fears knowing that even if they were persecuted, even if they were killed, that that was not going to stop the mission they were called to. So Jesus calls them beyond their fears by sending them out, by sending us out. And there's one other key element that allows these disciples to go beyond their fears, which is the third and final thing that we see in our text today, that Jesus empowers us with the Holy Spirit. After Jesus tells them that he's sending them out, right? As the Father has sent me, so I am sending you. What does he do? Verse 22 says, And with that, he breathed on them and said, Receive the Holy Spirit. Jesus was not sending them out alone. He gives them the Holy Spirit through his breath. Back in in the very beginning of Genesis chapter 1, chapter 2, God breathed into Adam in the Garden of Eden to give him life. And here, Jesus, in this room, he breathes on the disciples to give them spiritual life and power. And this act anticipate what happens 50 days later on the day of Pentecost when the disciples are filled with the Holy Spirit with a sound of rushing wind that fills the whole house where they're gathered. And what happens when they are filled on that day of Pentecost? They go out into Jerusalem and they begin proclaiming the news about Jesus' resurrection with great boldness and with no fear. What makes the difference? It's the Holy Spirit that is now present with them. 
Jesus doesn't send his disciples into the world on their own. He empowers them with the Holy Spirit. He reassures them that that God himself is with them. He is actually in them, filling them, leading them, empowering them. And that same spirit has been given to us who believe in Jesus. The same spirit that was given to the disciples. We can go beyond our fears because we have the Holy Spirit living within us. When my, my daughter Sophia was scared of that ride at Legoland, Rochelle and Lucas reassured her that they were going to be with her the whole time, sitting on either side of her in that ride. And it was their presence with her that gave Sophia the confidence to face her fear and go on the ride. The Holy Spirit's presence with us makes all the difference when we encounter things in this world that can tempt us to fear. He is our comforter. He is our advocate. He is God himself living within us. And if God is with us, there is no reason to fear. In the very last verse of our text, Jesus tells his disciples what he is sending them into the world to do and what the Holy Spirit is empowering them to do. So that last verse, verse 23, says this. Jesus says, If you forgive anyone his sins, they are forgiven. If you do not forgive them, They are not forgiven. Now, is Jesus saying here that that the disciples are the ones that get to choose whose sins are forgiven and who are not? Like, I'll forgive your sins, but I'm not going to forgive your sins. No, no, no. That's not what he's saying. Remember, Jesus says, as the Father has sent me, I am sending you. So how was Jesus sent? He was sent into the world to bring the forgiveness of sins to all who believe in him. But for those who rejected Jesus' message who didn't think they needed forgiveness or who thought that they could deal with their sin on their own or Jesus had to warn them that that their sins weren't forgiven then. They were choosing to hold on to their own sin. And so in the same way, the disciples and and us, we are sent to to do what? To proclaim the forgiveness of sin to all people and to those who accept that message who say, yeah, I want to be forgiven. Then we get the privilege of assuring them that their sins are forgiven. We get to do that, right? To say, yes, your sins are forgiven. To those who reject that message, who again say, I, I don't need forgiveness. I'm doing just fine on my, by, my, by myself. We have the much more difficult job of warning them that they are still stuck in their sin, that, that they are not forgiven because no one can remove their sin except for Jesus. He's the only one that can do it. So we need to proclaim that goodness, right? But we have to give that warning too. But for those who are troubled, for those who recognize, man, I I need forgiveness, we get to be the ones to proclaim that forgiveness to them. Martin Luther said this about this verse. He says, when my neighbor comes and says, friend, I am distressed in my conscience, say an absolution to me, then I may freely do this. Preach the gospel to him and tell him how he is to appropriate the works of Christ and is firmly to believe Christ's righteousness is his or hers and his sins are Christ's. This is the greatest service I may render my neighbor. Who can fully set forth what an unspeakable, mighty, and blessed consolation this is that with one word, one man may unlock heaven and lock hell for another. 
Guess what, brothers and sisters? It's not just me, a pastor, who gets to proclaim the forgiveness of sins. We get to do that to each other. If someone is troubled and says, I'm feeling troubled by my conscience, Martin Luther says, guess what? We get to be the ones to assure them your sins are forgiven. Jesus has paid for that sin in full on the cross. And so Jesus, he sends us out with that good news to proclaim to people around us. Jesus has paid for your sins in full. Believe it, trust it, and it is yours. So as we close, is there something causing you fear in your life? Is there something that's maybe trapping you in in fear? Are you trapped in in the fear of condemnation? Are you afraid of of, of God's judgment against you? Or maybe you're afraid of of something or or someone in the world that's causing you to to hide, to to draw back and, and, and be trapped in fear like the disciples were? Whatever that may be, whatever maybe comes to mind as you think about that, what are are those fears that that can trap you sometimes? Hear Jesus' words to you today again, one last time. Peace be with you. He's proclaiming to you and giving you his peace that he has established through his death and resurrection. God has only peace for you. And as the Father has sent me, Jesus says, I am sending you. He's sending you out, calling you to face those fears and to leave the comfort of the room where you've been hiding. Go out. But as he sends you out, hear that that last word, receive the Holy Spirit. He isn't going to make you to face those fears alone. He is with you. He will empower you through his spirit. And as he does, he will lead you beyond fear into his amazing mission of proclaiming the forgiveness of sins and peace to all those around you so that they too can be led beyond fear in their lives. That's what Jesus wants to do, to lead them too into the peace and forgiveness that Jesus has accomplished for them just as he's accomplished it for us. Praise God. Praise God. Let's pray. Jesus, we thank you that you are the one who comes near to us in our fears, that those, those doors didn't keep you out that you came right into the disciples and you proclaimed this amazing news of peace to them that, that woke them up and, and actually made them say, yes, Jesus, we're so glad you're here as you, as you showed them your hands and your side, that they knew that they were forgiven too, that you'd paid for their sin in full as well, even their abandonment of Jesus. And we thank you, Jesus, that you send us out. You, you send us away from our fears to face them, God, but you send us with the Holy Spirit. And so help us to trust you, God, uh, to, to face those fears that we may be having in our own lives, knowing that you've given us peace and that you're sending us, you're sending us with yourself, with your very own spirit. And you're sending us with an amazing message to proclaim to the people around us that you have paid for all of their sins too, Jesus. And that if they trust you, if they believe that, they hold on to that, say, yes, Jesus, I want that forgiveness too. Then we get to proclaim that good news that their sins are forgiven, cleansed, wiped away completely. Thank you, Jesus. You give us the ability, the privilege of proclaiming that message to the world. And we pray that you give us boldness to do that as you send us out. In Jesus' name we pray, amen.